This week on Silicon Reel, we have Daniel Glazer of the technology law practice, Freed Frank. It's a tough story to sort of rock up in London and say, hey, I'm an American lawyer. I'm here to help the, the, the tech community. We, we practice law, absolutely. But it's also being a helpful member of the community, helping to put people in, in touch, you know, to make connections that wouldn't otherwise happen. You should be able to use your, your lawyer and your other advisor you know, for their network. This is an amazing time to, the, the, these days to, to, to start a company. In early stage fintech, London is the, the global leader. Silicon Real presents... Daniel Glazer, Freed Frank Technology. Don't be afraid to fail. In London, technology is the Silicon Roundabout. Introducing a new talk show dedicated to the people of the London technology startup scene. Silicon Real. Each week, interviewing entrepreneurs, venture capitalists, financial technology, accelerators, and incubators in an exciting three-person format. Learn about the people behind the innovation. Locally filmed, locally sourced. Silicon Reel. It's about the people. This is Silicon Reel, the weekly talk show dedicated to the people of the London technology startup scene. My guest today is Daniel Glazer, who leads the technology practice at the global law firm Freed Frank. Since 2012, you've split your time 50-50 between London and New York City, advising companies from early stage startups to the Fortune 100. You have a particular focus on helping London and UK-based high-growth startups with U.S. expansion, investment, and commercial matters, and also helping U.S. VCs and corporates better access the London tech community. Pay attention, kids. This is important. Um, tech City News named you one of London's top 10 connectors for 2014. I met you at the Ice Group Christmas party, uh, hosted by former guest of Silicon Reel, Alex Hoy. That guy knows how to throw a shindig, doesn't yes, he? he does. Um, so, yeah, that was networking at its finest. Uh, Daniel, welcome to Silicon Reel. Thank you, Brian. Great to see you. It's great to have you here. You know, let's, uh, let's, let's call out the elephant in the room. You are a lawyer. You're our first you know, and uh, I find that people have interesting reactions to lawyers. I find at first is that no one likes a lawyer until they need one, and then they <laughs> love their lawyer. If, if you remember, say, I think 15 years ago, Eminem came up to the Video Music Awards and thanked his lawyer. And uh, my first experience with having some legal help, I think I was in banking in Chicago, and I think I was leaving the bank, and they were trying to withhold like a third of my bonus or something. And I got this, this fantastic guy in the legal profession, and he went in, and he was just like, okay, this is why you're going to pay Brian. And if if not, we're going to do A, B, and C. And the bank looked around. They're like, okay, fine. And then we left the room. And I was like, now I get it. When, when, when you have law professionals on your team, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, am I wrong? <laughs> well, you know, we try to be helpful when we can, right? Okay. And, look, and especially when, when you're working with, with early stage, stage, stage companies. I mean, yeah, like, you know, you can help them on legal matters, but really they need a lot of, a, a lot of assistance, let, let's say, just being a business advisor, just being a friend, just being helpful, yeah. right? And yeah. that's, that's certainly the, the approach that I think lawyers um, can and should con contribute in, in, in this space. And especially, you know, in, in the space that I work in, when you're going to the U.S. I mean, the U.S. can be, you know, a bit of an aggressive business culture, a bit of an aggressive legal culture. And, you know, to the extent that your lawyer can kind of protect you against all, all that stuff, help, you know, guide you a bit and keep you out of trouble, um, you, you should be able to then core, uh, concentrate on core business and not have to worry about that stuff. Right. And this is coming from two Yanks, so we know what we're talking about. <laughs> because it can be pretty daunting going from the U.K. to the U.S. And I want to get to that. But I want to just expand on that point you just made, is that a lot of people would see, you know, Freed Frank, and they walk by your offices, and they're like, oh, we'll call him when we need legal help. But in early stage, or even a lot of stages these days, you know, your, your, your legal advice can be, it can morph into M&A, it can morph into investors, it can, you know, you're the top connector for a good reason, because you speak to all these important players. And so uh, it's important to know that it's not just a law firm, right? Yeah. I mean, certainly the practice that we've tried to create is that, is that look, I mean, if you're, if you're going to go to the U.S., you're going to get U.S. investment, whatever, you know, there's the sort of the, the core legal basics. 
basics that you need. You, know, you need some help with corporate structuring, some IP, some employment, et cetera. But after that, that, that's all done, right? There's a whole raft of other things that you've got to take care of, right? There's other advisors like tax and accounting, insurance, commercial property, um, PR marketing, like all those uh, immigration, all those different things you want to think about. Um, you know, do you need connections to, let's say, government s- support in the U.S.? You know, do you need to hook up with UKTI in, in the U.S. or London and Partners or others who may be able to help? Even the U.S. government now is focused on helping companies expand to the U.S., um, and then, you know, investors, right? I mean, you, you should be able to use your, your lawyer and your other advisor, you know, for their network. Can you, can you leverage their network to meet other people who, who can help you, whether it's um, in terms of making targeted introductions to investors who might want to talk to you, make, making targeted introductions to maybe corporate partners who might be interested in speaking to you? You know, like, that's the, the sort of way that I think that really savvy U.S. entrepreneurs think, right, is that the U.S. entrepreneurs are thinking, okay, so the advisors I work with, you know, how can I sort of maximize our relationships? That I, and I think I increasingly see more of it that I think the this, this savvy you know, London-based entrepreneurs are doing the same thing. And I think that, that that's the right way to really develop partnerships with the, with the people you're working with. Right. So I think we have two audiences here. One is to the Americans in the U.S. watching over here, and they're like, all right, I really need to learn more about London. The other one is for the London tech startups here that are always thinking we have to go to the U.S. Uh, like so many that have been here sitting before. You know, We had Y Plan on a year plus ago, and they were just then moving into New York and trying to conquer this, you know, big ocean here, which is a lot of issues. And I want to talk about that. But you said that uh, London is the perfect place to start a business, whether it comes to the to the accelerators, the co-working space, the SEIS tax treatment, you know, immigration. Uh, why do you say that, that it's such a great place or the best place to launch a tech business? No, I, it's I, a I, strong I, statement. You no, know, it is. No, and, and it's uh, <laughs> sort of throwing, throwing the, the, the gauntlet down. Good, right? I like that. Uh, no, in, in, my, in my, my opinion, London is the, the best place to, to, to start a business. I mean, right now, I mean, the, the growth in this city and the focus, both on, on the in terms of private sector support and public sector support, to helping early stage companies grow and scale. Right. I mean, it is it is it is, it is tr- it's tremendous. Um, you know, as, as you said, you know, the co working spaces, the the, the accelerators. You, you got a you got a developing community of people who are looking to help. You got the government, both city and and national, that, that that's looking to help. You've got an incredibly diversified. Community here, right? You got you got people from all over the world who are contributing, you know, all all sorts of interesting perspectives, you know, and then and then you you you've got. Um you know, an increasing amount of early stage funding, in, in part be, be because of the you know, SEIS and, and EIS, has made it really attractive to, to invest in early, early stage UK companies, right? And, and, and I think that was, that was a very considered decision by the UK government, and it seems to really have developed, you know, a community of early stage VCs and of, you know, a thriving community of companies who, who, are, who are growing. And it's, we're really only a few years in on this. Yeah, it's hard to remember that, that it's still very early days here. And if you're not familiar with those acronyms, those are like the highly favorable tax treatment that that you can get to uh, to invest in in these companies. That that's really made a big boom. How does it? How does the UK government compare with what's being done in the US? I mean, take New York City for example. I mean, here we we've got Boris, and he's come out with this recent piece where it's uh, the co investment fund. Mm-hmm. We got David Cameron doing FaceTime, and I mean, I'll, I'll take FaceTime over no FaceTime any of the, any day of the week. And you know, the government really acts like they're involved, and you know, there's there's a lot of groups. I mean, how does it compare to the US? Is it much better? Well, I, I'm not. I wouldn't say it's better or worse. It's just it's just different, right? Okay. I mean, and I think that that historically, the the role of, of government in, in the UK is that they're 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 more involved in in business than perhaps uh, culturally the, the U.S. government is involved in in business. I mean, in in the U.S., there's much more of a sort of hard harder divide, right, between the private sector and the public sector. In in the, the UK, and in fairness, this is maybe an outsider's perspective looking in, but it it, it certainly appears that the government it plays a much more active supportive role in building up business. Um, and you, we see that with just the, you know, the, the way that U, UKTI provides you know, uh, individualized guidance. They, they, they provide events here in London and overseas, in the UK and overseas. They have offices overseas. They have, I think, nine offices in the U.S. who can provide individualized you know, market assistance in New York or, or in San Francisco um, or in Miami or Boston or Washington, et cetera. If you're going to those cities, you can get in touch with UKTI on the ground there. They'll help you expand to those cities and they'll help make introductions for you, do help you with market research. You know, that's that can be pretty effective to your business. Right, right. All right, let's talk about a big success story in the news, uh, transfer-wise. I had Tavit Hinkris sitting in that chair um, about a year and a half ago, even less. I just emailed him, and, and we're going to get him back on the 
the show. You know, they just raised uh, some money from, you know, A16Z, Andreessen Horowitz. Ben Horowitz is on the board. The first time he's on a board of directors of, an, uh, of a European company. You know, this is a huge statement. It's now, you know, at the $58 million I think they, they invested. It's got a billion-plus valuation in dollars. Um, this is big news, right? And this is stuff that you talk about all the time as far as American investors getting comfortable with Europe, looking to Europe for all sorts of things, which could even include future tax advantages or just things to invest in that maybe aren't overvalued. What do you see when you see this transfer-wise investment? Like, yeah. what, what do you see from your mind? So I think, I think that there's, there's three, three different things here, right? I think that the first is that this is increasingly validating um, fintech as a leading sector uh, w- w- within London, right? Amen. It's I, huge, huge. Yeah, you I think can, you can say we're the best in the world. Now, I, right? I think I, I, I think I can I pretty confidently say that, that especially in early stage fintech, London is the, the global leader. I mean, look, we've, we've got five, uh, at least five dedicated fintech accelerators in 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 London. I mean, like, That's incredible. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it. it, it it's amazing, right? And I think right. that, that transfer-wise, that this, this investment, among other things, just continues to add to the fintech story of London, and, and, and that's great. I think another thing about this is that it, it shows that U.S. investors are increasingly becoming interested in, in what is going on in, in the U.K., what's going on in Europe more, 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 more broadly. I and mean, look, you know, if, you, if you're a Valley investor, if you're a New York investor, you've got a lot of companies right in front of you, right? Um, and it maybe takes a little bit more to look overseas and say, you know what, I'm going look past what's sort of right in front of me and I'm going to, I'm going to, look, to, I'm going to look to London, I'm going to look to UK, I'm going to look to, to Europe. And to see an investment of this size, is, I think, is really encouraging and sends a good message to U.S. investors as to, in terms of interesting opportunities over here. And then just, I think, a final point is to, is to see an investment this, this large also shows the, the increasing, the, the maturation of the London tech community. Yeah. I think people forget, right, that the, the total VC investment into London tech Tech companies yeah, get ready for it in 2010, yeah, right? Ready. Was 69 million dollars, 69 million total in 2010 into London tech companies. Last year, 2014, it was 1.45 billion dollars, right. right? So 69 million, essentially a standing start to $1.45 billion in, in four years. Well, you know, people, and one of the criticisms we'll sometimes hear about London and the UK is where are all the big exits? Where are the massive investments? Well, if you think about it, we're only talking about a community that in some respects is, you know, four years old, five years old. David, David Cameron's Tech City speech, right, was, was November 20, 2010. We're only four years out from that. And that's not to say that there was nothing here before then, right? Because there certainly were plenty of companies here before then. But the real focus, right, I mean, London as a, as a global tech hub really only started to come into its own in the last couple of years. And it's going to take a while before you, see the, before you see a big run of IPOs, before you see like the big, you know, a, a consistent 100 million, 200 million, 300 million investments. But right. to get Get fifty-eight million into TransferWise is is just another great data point in that story. Yeah, and we're seeing these big checks being written. You know, blah blah car, hundred million. You know, you know, uh, you know these these are uh, these are noteworthy. These are big checks. These are you know major eight-figure checks that just weren't happening even eighteen months ago. And so yeah, it's notable. The other thing to note, and that's covered in the article that, that you're that you're going to have coming out soon, including some of these figures, is that's still about a tenth of what happens in the Valley, right? So to right. put it all in perspective, and I read this in the New York Times when I was traveling to Belgium over Christmas and. I don't think I'd seen it in black and white. And I was like, okay, the Valley's, you know, 12 billion and we're one and a half. So it's like, you really understand that there still is a big, a big scale issue, but you're right. We're four years old. A lot of people don't want to hear that. I've been around here for a while, but but yeah, I mean, if you look at it from pure, pure investment uh, amount, it's tiny. Yeah. What, what's, what's I think particularly exciting about London is the, the pace of change, right? So the numbers last year, I think in New York, 4.5 billion in VC investment in New York tech companies. I think it was 22. 22 billion into in, into Silicon Valley, Valley last yeah, that year. Sounds right, it, was, it was it was really really high, right? Yeah. But Silicon Valley, you know, became Silicon Valley, right? As as it were, 30 years ago, 40 years ago. I mean, it, Silicon Valley has been, been 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 running hot for a long time. New York, you know, the the original Silicon Alley days began, you know, in the mid to late 90s, yeah. right? And and New York's up to 4.5 billion, and that that's great. But if you, if you look at, at London's history again, you're going from a standing start to 1.45 billion in a handful. Of years. I mean, uh, we, we'd all like to think that, that, that the best is yet to come. Right. You're optimistic. You're optimistic. Let me ask you a question. You're a man who, uh, who spends a lot of time between New York and London. Uh, you, uh, how many, how many hundreds of thousands of miles did you have? Last uh, year? Almost 200,000 200, miles. This guy goes home on a Friday and comes back on a Monday on a regular basis. And so you are intimately, 
you, you have intimate knowledge of what it's like to run in London on New York time and New York on London time, what it's like if a company from London wants to expand to New York City and vice versa, and also some of the problems uh, of expanding to the West Coast, which is what, well, let's be honest, Horowitz is going to have to be over here. He's going to have to be trying to you know, use his brain and network on eight time zones away. That's not going to be easy. What are some of the, the pitfalls and some of the advantage and some of the things you've learned by living that dual life between these time zones and uh, watching companies kind of go one way or the other? Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. The, the companies that we, that, that we talk to here in the UK who look at expanding to the US, it, I mean, the US is a massive place. And actually, that may be the, 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 first, the first thing to keep in mind. Right. The, the US is massive. And when you say that you want to expand to the US, you, know, it, it, you can't just go everywhere. You've got, you got to pick a place. Now, that be, be, being said, I would say you know, 90% of the companies that we talk to looking at, at New York and, and the Valley, and, and maybe, maybe Boston as well. But that makes sense, because those are the three places where maybe VC investment is, 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 okay. is, is the greatest. So it's, that, it's really simple th- choice of three cities, pretty um, much, for, yeah, for I mean, the initial long. To, to some extent, look, I mean, if you're, it's if, industry if, specific or yeah, if you're Hollywood media, or... Media and entertainment, you might, you might go to L- L.A. Um, you know, we see companies go to Chicago. Periodically, there are other reasons. Particularly, you might want to go to maybe Northern Virginia, Washington, if, if you're going to be uh, doing things in, in the government sector, right? Okay. Um, security, for, 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 for example. But a lot of the times, a lot of the times, it's really, it, it's really New York and, and the Valley, maybe life sciences and pharma for, for, for Boston as, as well. You, you go where your, where your investors are, right. among other reasons. But you also go where your, where, your, where your customers are, where your potential commercial partners are. If you're, if you're a fintech company, right? Um, and you want to be, and you're, you're a B two B fintech company, and your partners, your your, your customers are probably going to be the large banks. You know, New York has a special attraction to you, and 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 there, there's there's a reason that there are so many fintech and you know VC investors in in, in New York. Um, you know, if you're an e-commerce company and you could and you need to scale quickly, and and you can be sort of anywhere in the U.S. The valley may, might might make a, a, a lot of sense, okay. but you know you also need 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 to think about you know as you said like the, the pitfalls of going to maybe one place or or the other, and the the, the time difference the, the distance plays really play, plays into it. It's a three it. hour time difference. It's a four hour difference in flight, but you're telling me that's a lot. Yeah. So okay. so this is interesting because I haven't thought about this point before. So okay. So so if if if, if you're let's say a London company and, and you're looking to expand to New York and you look or, or you're looking to expand to the to the valley, where if you, if you're going to go to New York, right? Um, let, let's say that you want to hire locally, right? So you're not going to send a founder over. You're going to hire locally. You're, you're, you're a five-hour time difference, which means in the London a- afternoon, you're, you're both in the office, right? And if you had to, you can, you, you can be on the ground in, you know, seven and a half, eight hours of the flight going um, London to New York, right? It's quicker on, on, on the, way, the, way, the way back. If you had to, you, you could be there tomorrow. If an emergency comes up, you, the founder, can, can be there tomorrow, and that's fine. And you can go back the next day if, if you have to. In other words, you can keep your finger on the pulse of the business. If you're hiring locally in the Valley, for, for example, you're an eight-hour time difference away. You know, it's, when it's 5 p.m. in London, they're only getting started you know, on, 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 on the, the West Coast. And if you want to get over there, you're looking at a 10 to 12-hour flight. We've seen companies get into trouble where they launch on, in San Francisco or the Valley, and they launch locally. They launch with local hires, right? And then the local hires have a different idea of where they want to take the business, right? And it's tough to keep your finger on the pulse of the business. It's tough to keep a consistent... Um, business culture, right, without sending a founder out there. Um, it's a little bit easier in, in New York because, you know, as I'm here to tell you, you can kind of make it a commute, you know, right. if, 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 if you have to. But you must have to send a founder out there for the most success rate, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it, I think, uh, generally speaking, and this is certainly a, a, a gen- generalization, is that we've seen... We, we've seen a lot of success, especially on the West Coast, when you, when you, when you put a founder out there, maybe combined with, with local hires, right? right. Be, because of the, the, those pressures with, with, with the distance. It's, it's tough to run a company from you know, several thousand miles and um, you know, eight, eight time, time zones away. Right. And, and frankly, you know, the, the early stage U.S. investors especially are going to want to see that. Right. right. They're going to want someone on the ground. Right. Right. And on that same note, uh, to find someone to make that move, it's going to only be one of your founders that's going to be game. We had Andy McLaughlin here from Huddle, and he decided to make the move. So you got to have one of your founders that's most likely uh, young and single <laughs> or convinced the family or has roots there to make that move because that's a big move. When we talk about it being a big distance, but it's complete lifestyle change. You're, you're, yeah. By the same definition, you're no longer near your parent, your friends and parents. You're no longer a flight really away. Now it's a more of a 
private investment. So yeah, it's it's one of the things that we it's one of the practical issues that we'll talk to companies about is that um, you know as we we've often seen you know a lot of expat arrangements don't fail necessarily because the individual is not happy they fail because the family is not happy yeah. or you know that uh, that you you're going to bring your spouse maybe your 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 kids along with you to New York or to San Francisco or Boston or wherever you better make sure that, yeah. that they're they're happy because if your family's not happy nobody's happy yeah um, a- amen to that yeah you know you said a few other things um, that people need to think about when they go over there as you said it's a big country it's a very regional country too people don't forget right it's like pockets of people you know everywhere you said uh, two countries separated by a different language what does that mean as far as what's similar what's different. Well, is that a it, culture thing? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it is a little a little bit more than you know that in the UK we use S's and they use Z's more, and the, or they use Z's more in in, in America. Right. Um, you know, it's it's a little bit more of, of an aggressive bi- bi- business culture. It's a lot more of an aggressive legal culture. Um, that in 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 part because, and I'll, I'll go I'll go a little lawyer on you for okay. for, for, for for a See, second. That's why you're here. That's yeah, why. I mean because because uh, in in the U.S. unlike in the U.K., you know, it, it's not loser pays in in a lawsuit, right? So like like if you and I got 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 into a business dispute in in the U.S. and you you think you've got like a ninety five percent chance of winning, right? Well, if if I sue you. You still have to pay all your legal fees, even if, if you're going to win ultimately in the lawsuit. And that could cost you thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars, right? right. So you, you, you're going to look at that, and, you, and you're, you're probably going to get annoyed and say, you know what? I'm going to win this, but I'm going to have to pay him, this guy $50,000 just to go away to settle this thing. Right. So right. it's used as a business tool. Exactly. More. It's used as a business negotiation tool. Okay. Whereas in, in the UK, right, it, it, it's, it's loser pays. In other words, really? Yeah. In other words, okay. if, I, if I sue you and, and, you, know, and you win, I, I'm generally going to cover your fees too. Wow. And yeah. that's pretty standard across business litigation here. In, okay. in, in the UK and the US. Yeah. Those, those, those are the differences. And that's okay. created a little bit more of a different culture around, around business in the US where, where people are a little bit more aggressive knowing in, in the background that that lit, lit, litigation risk is sort of is sort of always there in a way that it's not necessarily to the same extent in in, in the, the the UK. Now, and that hurts a small guy usually because he doesn't have the budgets. Right, and that's what you need to be aware of. And now, now I'll take it a little bit more to the practical away to, away from the legal. That's what you need to be aware of, right? As a startup, when, when you're when you're doing business with with larger companies, is that you need to think practically. Like your contract may, may say one thing, you know, and and you know you may have let's say, let's say a non disclosure, a confidentiality agreement with with another company, and that may say one thing. But it, you know, if, if they violate that and you have to enforce it, right, you're going to have to pay to do that. Right? So, so it, you know, it, it, it's good to th- always think practically and strategically in your business dealings in the U.S. Don't just, just rely on what it says on the piece of paper and what it says, what it says in, in your contract. You need to think really practically about what's best for your business because you don't want to be in a, you want to avoid business disputes to the extent that you, that you can because it, it could get expensive. Okay, but well said. Good point. What else, what else do we need to look out for? I mean, do, do the Yanks just work these crazy hours? Are they always on the emailing me all night long? I mean, or is that just stereotype? Uh, no, they work pretty hard, although they work okay. pretty hard here in, in, in London as well. I think sort of the, 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 best, the best perspective I can give on this, right, is that so working New York and London you know, all, all the time, you know, I, I see things maybe in, in a little bit of a different way. And I can tell you that on Friday afternoon in London, or, my, or on Friday afternoon, my emails from the U.K. go down and my emails from the U.S. go up. Um, and, and I think that, that the thinking is, is that on Friday a- a- afternoon in, 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 in the UK, I, I, the, the, the mentality seems to be more like, you know what, it's cool. All right, let's just break for the weekend. Everything will be still be here on Monday, and we'll start again then. Right? Right. And in, in, in the States, especially in the big cities like New York, it's like, it's like, oh my gosh, it's the weekend. We cannot lose momentum. All right, Get it all out, 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 out the door. We've got to keep working on it over, over the weekend. Let's just make it clear that this is what we expect to have done by Monday because just because the weekend's here doesn't mean that we're going to lose mo- momentum. Right. I'm not saying one is better than the other. I'm not saying <laughs> one's worse than the other. Those are just two very different approaches to doing business. That's a good example, and I think that typifies it the best. I think the Yanks are thinking, oh, we've got two free days here, maybe to get some stuff done, maybe get a few hours in on Saturday, maybe on Sunday, and 
tackle some things that we didn't have enough time to do during yep. the week. And maybe in, in Britain, you know, because we're right next to the continent. And I agree. I think people here, uh, they definitely respect their off time more. And you could argue around and around whether it's too much or too little or the lifestyle. I mean, look, I'm an American. You're an American. I will say that uh, there's only one thing that Americans love to do more than uh, work hard, and that's to tell everyone how hard they're working. And so uh, <laughs> that was know, my next comment. Oh, yeah. Okay, all right. So, cause, so a, lot, a lot of times it is the dialogue, and it's just it's part of your identity in America. Yeah. And what I, I I took my first two week vacation when I moved to the UK like ten years ago, and I was just like, this is the weirdest thing. And in the UK, people brag about their vacations. I'm on holiday for two weeks. Oh, really? Where are you going? In America, you say that, and everyone's like, oh, you're not committed. Uh, you're not committed. You obviously don't believe in yourself, and you're going nowhere in your life. That's like a very general thought of what it is to be an American on vacation. So um, we definitely like to talk about it and act about it and act like it all the time that we're working. I'd say maybe the balance maybe catches up to Americans a little too much. Yeah. Sometimes they realize that they really need that downtime or that family time. Uh, what's your call on it? Yeah, look, I, I think uh, Americans, um, especially Americans in tech, are, are very, very good yeah. about self-promotion. Okay. Um, say say the, 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 the two Americans on the, uh, the, the, the video screen. <laughs> on the live cast. video screen. But I think American entrepreneurs are really, really good at... Um, explaining, especially to investors, why their company is the best. And that's feedback that we often get from U.S. VCs, is that they're used to to hearing from you know, U.S. startups who get up there and in 60 seconds tell you why they're the best, they're going to be the world beaters, and why you, Mr. or Ms. V- VC, need to give me, you know, 10 million, 20 million, 50 million, whatever it is, right? That's sort of a, that's not, again, this is the outsider looking in, doesn't seem to be sort of the, 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 the culturally the way that, that companies work, work here in, in, in the UK. Again, it, it's, it, not. It, it's not better, it's not worse, it's just a different way, different way of approach, approaching business. But very well said. Right? right. And, and, and I think, but, you know, when in Rome, as they say, you, you kind of have to do what the Romans do. And if you are looking to raise in the US, you need to be prepared to be able to pitch your business and explain your business in terms that a US VC can understand. And that means having confidence in your proposition, being able to explain it efficiently, quickly, effectively, and, and believing, right, that you are going to be the world beater, right? Because, because if the US VC is, sit, is sitting there and doesn't think that you believe that you deserve the 10 million, then they're not going to think that you deserve the, the 10 million. It has to start with you, the, the, the company convincing the, the, the investor or your potential commercial or corporate partner why they need, need, need to believe in you. Right. Well said. I guess you've given this kind of talk to a few people in the UK that are looking to raise money in the US a few times. Have you given this advice out, I take it? Yeah, we, we, we do a lot of work with um, trade, trade, trade missions uh, that UKTI and others uh, put, put together to bring companies across from, from the UK to the US. In fact, we're working with the upcoming fin, FinTech mission um, that U, U, UKTI and the mayor's office are putting together uh, in connection with Boris Johnson's visit to New York ne- ne- next month. Okay. And we'll often meet with, with, the, with the companies ahead of time here in London, sort of prep them for what to expect uh, when, when going to the States, some of what the differences are, what the expectations are among investors. And then, you know, what we see is a little bit of our USP is that we're also able to be on, on the ground with them in, in, in New York or the Valley or wherever that they're going to go. Um, you know, I mean, that, that's, the, that's the whole issue of having a transatlantic legal practice, right? You got to be on bo- bo- both sides of the Atlantic, but that's where we, we feel that we're really helpful, that we, we can help them here and that we can travel with them to, to the States as well. Right. Talk to me about accelerators. You spend a lot of time with accelerators, including Techstars, Seacamp, the Barclays Techstars over in uh, Whitechapel, Level 39, Startup Bootcamp, Weira. We've had most of these people on the show. Uh, I, I, you just mentioned there's five different fintech startups in London. Jesus. Uh, sometimes I ask the question a lot on this show, are we over-incubated? Are we over-accelerated? They're everywhere. What's your read on it? Um, you know, it, it's, it's interesting. I think it was the, the Wall Street Journal did did, did a piece on this, um, I think, in, in, in the fall. And, and, they, and they favorably con, con, contrasted London startups to Valley startups. And they were talking about how, in the Valley, that there was a bit of a bubble. Uh, and and that the, the companies, were, companies were getting overvalued, and they, and they were over-raising. And they, they, would, they would do a big raise, and the next day, the founder would, would show up in the new company car, which was like a Porsche. Really? Right? <laughs> yeah. And, and, and they, they, they were favorably comparing how you know, London startups are more frugal. 
Right? And, and, and the, one of the examples they used was how even sort of later stage startups were using, the, were using co-working spaces and using accelerators to sort of get the most value that, that they could out of their, out of their property spend, out of, out of their real estate spend. Right? That it wasn't just getting the, the biggest office with, with, with a hot tub and a billiards table in it, uh, or a snooker table in it. Hmm. Um, it, was, it was rather they, they found an appropriate space where, where they could work with other entrepreneurs who, who, they, who they, they could learn from who they could leverage other mentors who would come in, other advisors who would come in and talk to them, um, you know, and, and leverage the, the, the networks that, 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 that the co-working spaces or the accelerators could bring to bear. I think it's a really positive development, especially, especially for a tech ecosystem here that is still rel- rel- relatively young. Okay. Right? So I the mean, more the better in your opinion. The more the, 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 more, the more the better. I think they have a specifically um, a specific role to play here in London be, be, because we don't have the massive ecosystem that, that, that say the Valley has or even New York has. We're getting there. There's no question that, that, that we're getting there. But accelerators and co-working spaces can help, um, can help it grow qu- more, more quickly. Right. I mean, I say the more the merrier. But when I hear about insert Fortune 100 company is starting their latest incubator with maybe Techstars. I love the guys at Techstars. John Bradford, I'm a huge fan of him and everything they do. But when I hear that the next t- 10 corporates are getting into the incubation space, part of me is like, really? It's a bit late? Or, you know, but, but, uh, but maybe there's all good there. Maybe it can't really do any, any harm, right? I, I'd like to. I'd like to think that that corporates, when done right, can can really play a, a very positive role in, in in this space. And whether it's with accelerators or corporate venturing divisions or or, or, or otherwise, um, you know, I think that increasingly lar- lar- large companies are looking, you know, realize that that they need to be a little bit more nimble. Realize that they need to be ahead of the curve. Understand where the next great technology is coming from, um, and also just from a branding standpoint, right? I mean, they want to be seen as being, as being you know, with the times and being up, up, up to date. And what, and what works for different companies, you know, may be a little bit different. Maybe it's just simply putting your brand on an accelerator. Maybe it's, um, you know, getting involved with a corporate venturing division, maybe taking investments. Maybe it's, it's get, get, getting out there into the community and finding potential commercial partners, right? And, and, and signing up deals with companies, helping guide their, their, their growth by being one of their, their, their customers at, at the same time. Right. I, I think it, it, it can be a very, very positive development as long as it gives more opportunities for, for startups and, and scale-ups to find customers, to find potential investors. Right. And you're basically handing out free legal advice at these things, right? I mean, you're helping people out with their legal structure, at it, guessing. At yeah. All I mean, it, it's, it, it's absolutely something that we see as an investment. It's an right. investment in, in you know, the particular company much more broadly than, broadly than that. It's an investment in, in the London tech, tech community. And this is something you know, that I and, and my team certainly feel very, very, very passionately about. Uh, I mean, I, 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 you know, I say, I would say that I, I got here, I, I had done business often in, in the UK over the years, but I started going back and forth regularly in early 2012. And when I got here, I remember thinking that, that this, this, you know, this is like being, uh, you know, in Main Street, Palo Alto in 1979. I mean, g- given where, you know, the, the community was then, re- you know, relative to, I think, where, where, where it's headed. And to be able to, that's a once in a generation opportunity to be involved in an ecosystem at that stage. And you know, to, to be able to, to help it grow and to be able to get involved, we think is we, we feel privileged to be able to do that. Right. Well said. Amen. And I feel privileged too to do this show. I mean, I've watched it evolve in 18, 20 months since we've been doing it. And you know, we were not seeing these valuations of these investments even 18 months ago. And so it's changing in front of our eyes. You know, you, you made a reference to the, the guy that shows up in the Porsche after the fundraise. One thing about London, and uh, you know, if you don't live here, you'd find fascinating, is that it's really all, all one tier right now. We don't have a PayPal mafia. We don't have guys that have exited that are walking around with big money. Everyone is really working together to help us all take the city to a next level. And I don't know what it's like doing business in New York or the Valley, but the, the, the vibe here of contribution is just amazing. And there aren't any special people. And there, and I can't think of one tech startup, you know, driving around a Lamborghini or even spending money. Everyone is concentrating on getting to the next level with their companies yeah. that I'm aware of. And I talk to everybody. So that's fascinating, right? Yeah, and I, and I think it, it, it's it's really underscored by 
the investment numbers when you dig a little bit deeper, that $1.45 billion last year into London tech companies, I think something like 45 to 50% of that was, was um, early stage seed and, 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 and low ser- series A, right? And that it, it's, not like, it's not a disproportionate amount of money going into a couple of big rock stars, right? It, it's, it's that the, 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 the ecosystem is sort of, is sort of growing at a, at a steadier pace in that regard, right? I mean, that, that when, we, when we first got here, when we first started, uh, when I started work, working in the space, in London, I think in early 2012, you know, you saw maybe, maybe a few large, lar- larger Series A's and, and maybe, maybe some Series B's. But now everything's grown, where where we sort of regularly are seeing companies at that A, 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 and, 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 and B stage, and it's sort of moving, you know, as you would expect, right? As it develops, you see more and more companies um, at that larger and larger investment stage. And, and as a result, it's not that a couple of companies are breaking away, or it's that, it's that the community as a whole is sort of growing at, at more of a, almost a lockstep, but I mean, I mean that in a positive way, almost in, at, a, at a lockstep pace. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to watch, and, and it's going to be this way for at least for a couple of years, which is fantastic. All right, let me ask you a question. I'm in San Francisco, and I'm the partner or the founder of, say, Sequoia or Benchmark, and I roll out of bed today, and I check out the headline, and I'm like, oh... Horowitz is invested into this this foreign exchange peer to peer company in London. Jesus Christ! Uh, maybe we better get on this. What do you say to that VC guy who's in the Valley, who's never invested in Europe or London before, and says maybe it's time I open my eyes to this? What do you tell them as far as if it's a sell or a pitch or just the reality? I think that there are some unique things going on on here in london i mean london doesn't look quite like the valley it doesn't look quite like new york it, you know it's it's a, it's a little bit different um, i think that there are, uh, i think a part of that is maybe, maybe the, the the mix of public and private sector support maybe it's the mix that you know we're as i've heard people say London is, is L.A., Washington, and New York all rolled into one, right? So uh, I, I've been guilty of saying that exact quote, right? <laughs> right. So, uh, so, so you know, it, it's a little bit different. There, there's and there's there's a an, a couple sectors here that are clearly you know, sort of breaking away as global leaders. FinTech being being one of them. We're seeing a lot of interesting things in in in, in health tech, in ed tech, advertising tech, fashion tech, yeah. right? And and I and what 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 I say to them is is it, it's worth having a look be, be, because among other things you know valuations are pretty good here right, right? It, it's not overheated like like like, like some other, some other markets um, you know so sometimes say say to US VCs I'm like say, look you know if you just decided to come here and do 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 a trip to London and hang out a shingle outside your door and says you know US VC here for the week you'll get a lot more attention <laughs> than if than you would than if you if you were in, in in the valley you know and and you know you don't necessarily have to sort of jump in with both feet and say, okay, I'm going to, you know, dedicate a fund solely to, uh, you know, UK companies that are solely UK-based companies tomorrow. You know, there are a lot of UK-based companies that are going on trade missions, that are just going on fact-finding missions of their own accord, who are turning up in New York, turning up in the Valley, turning up in Boston or Chicago, right, just looking to network, looking to meet people, you know, and that is sort of of the, the easier way in, is that investing in and meeting UK companies that are looking to become great global British-based businesses, and in order to do that, you know, you really need to sort of access—you know, not need, but most do—end up accessing and growing in the US. Investing in those types of companies is sort of a, an obvious and maybe easier first step for US VCs who are just starting to get their minds around what, what's going on in the UK and Europe, right? Investing in companies that have significant, growing US presence, but at the end of the day, are great British or European-based companies, right? And I mean. Just from an investor standpoint, if you look at, say, correlated portfolios, et cetera, I mean, take a group of four guys in London that are working on some fashion tech issue, and maybe you've got a programmer from Romania and an advertising guy from Spain, and they're, they're in this little bubble separated from the valley. You know, it might be in your interest to place some bets over here because they might be coming up with something that's completely different from what you're thinking of, a different perspective. Like you said, valuations are cheap. Um, you know, if, if you're in the U.S., a lot of your companies are going to have to expand over here sooner or later. Europe is a complicated place. Um, and I will quote uh, the, the CEO of Blah Blah Car. It was uh, uh, Nicholas. He said, uh, he said, Brian, when you want money, ask for advice. And when you want advice, ask for money. And so that's always good. So you don't have to come over here you know, looking for money. You just go for some advice and start talking to people, right? Look, another, another thing that 
I think the VCs are increasingly starting starting to see is that ju ju just look at one of what some of the larger tech companies in the U.S. are starting to do, and the, the larger tech players are starting to acquire non-U.S. Ba ba based companies, right? And I think in, in part that that's starting to happen because I think it was, it was Bloomberg re reported late late last year that um, U.S. U.S. tech companies have something like two trillion dollars in offshore so-called trapped cash profits. In other words, money that that they made overseas is that they can't necessarily bring back to the U.S. Right. without a massive tax hit. Right. Because, you know, I, you, as you may or may not know, that, that the tax rate, the corporate tax rate in the U.S. is double. It's about 40% state plus federal relative to the U.K., which is about 20%. The U.K. is a low-tax jurisdiction right. relative yeah. to the U.S., right? So you've got the, the, these tech companies, right, the large tech companies in the U.S. who are looking to put that offshore money to work. Right, and one of the great ways to get value for that is 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 to acquire you know companies that have that have a non-U.S. top company, right? So a, a U.K. and and this is this is what sort of as we've seen play out in the market recently. If you've got two U two companies with an equal U.S. presence, right? Um, one of them is a homegrown U.S. company, and the other one is is as a U.S. subsidiary of let's say a, a U.K. company. You know, arguably that UK company is more valuable because you because from the VC standpoint, you're the, the, the potential pool of acquirers has now been expanded to include all these companies who are looking to spend their money o o overseas. Right. I mean, that's that could be pretty powerful. Yeah. And that's 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 made certain mergers even happen right from that tax arb. And you should be very well aware of that because that could. That could change your partners going forward, right? right. I mean, and, and that 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 sort of you know, that, as you said, that, that sort of sort of the, the tax dynamics have, have been interesting lately. There, um, you know, there have been the, these transactions in the United States that have gotten a lot of uh, popularity, maybe infamy, depending on your on your perspective, called inversion tra transactions, where U.S. based companies are looking to merge with non-U.S. based companies in a way that they end up with a non-U.S. parent company. I think uh, Burger King Tim Tim Hortons was was a good example of that. That okay. Burger King and Tim Hortons merged um, so that now. Burger King is, is a Canadian company, right? Is it as a, a Canadian top company because Canada is a much lower tax jurisdiction than the the the, the U.S. is, right? Okay. So, and uh, you know, the, the U.S. government has come out, you know, complaining about this, and, and you know, there, there may or may not end up being um, you know measures taken to to, to 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 curb this. But if you're a U.K. company looking to go to the U.S. and you expand through a subsidiary, you end up with that same structure. Right with with a non-U.S. U.K. parent and a U.S. subsidiary, but you've done it in, in a way that you're not looking to escape the U.S. tax net, which is what's getting I think the U.S. government angry. Right. Um, but you're actually looking to enter the U.S. tax net, but enter it in the most efficient way possible and the way that maybe makes you more attractive to potential acquirers down the road, and maybe even makes you more 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 valuable as a long-term IPO target right. or an IPO candidate. Right. Because the more money that you can keep internally without necessarily paying as tax, right, the greater that your valuation becomes. Yeah, because you might decide to IPO on the British markets for, for tax reasons for that. So you have a hidden asset there is what you're saying. So all right, take, take notes here for anyone listening you know, in the UK. Let me ask you a personal question. You, know, you, uh, you do this crazy commute and it's, uh, it's a lot of flying. I'm not a big flan, uh, fan of flying back to the States and jet lag kills me. I'm off to LA on Friday and I'm already dreading it. But um, you, know, you go back and forth. Obviously you see your family, but uh, at some point I guess you have to throw up your hands and say, I, I can't do this all the time. You said you had a moment like on a father's day where you couldn't make it back for the father's day and then you had a moment where you were like wait a second i'm gonna have to make some commitments to the family but still make my commitment to work what was that like yeah i mean it's uh i think when it, when i when i when i first started i wasn't sort of going back and forth so much i was sort of coming over to london for maybe maybe two or three week chunks and then, then going back to new york for, for two or three three week chunks etc um, and then, uh, and then, as you said, sort of, I, I had this this one uh, rainy Father's Day Sunday here here in London, and I was on the phone with uh, you know with, with with my daughters, and I'm like, I, I, got, I got to figure fi figure something out here. Like that that is not a, a good result. So, you know, that that's when I kind of committed to, to to going home on the weekends, right? Wh right. Which is uh, which you know, as 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 I've sort of thought uh, since then, my my airline is a big fan of that arrangement. <laughs> um, they've, uh, they've they've thanked me. <laughs> so you're back most weekends or a lot of weekends? Uh, no, I almost I almost. 
always go home on the on, on the weekends. Fantastic. Right, and 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 you can do it. You're living proof that it's doable. It it, it it's doable. And you know, people ask me, well, what what's the uh, trick to to avoiding jet, jet jet lag? And I and I I think what it is is that you just sort of commit to working both both business days, right? So I'm I'm usually you know on 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 Skype or, or you know calls in in in, in New York probably like 5 a.m. right uh, local time in, in New York 10 a.m. here here in London right. and and similarly I'm on I'm on calls you know with 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 New York late in, you know late at night here here in London so it's sort of working the exact same hours no matter where you are it's it just ends up time shifted right so you <laughs> or, space them out during the day or yeah which... or, or, or or in sort of universal time you're always working the exact same same hours it's just that you know in relative time it's different hours when you're in New York and it's different hours when you're in London, but it's the same total chunk of time that, that you're working. Um, you know, you just sort of time shift your, your 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 sleep, so it's a little bit earlier in New York, a little bit later in London. So you work twice as hard. You're just like a self-promoting American talking about how hard you work. You know, we're both doing that today. Hey, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm not working half as hard as, uh, as as all these people starting starting companies. So it's sort of the least I can do. Right, right, right. What's next for for you in the next couple of years and for Freed Frank Technology here? Like, you know, how, how do you want to be part of this ecosystem? What if the ecosystem doesn't grow as much as we want? And I mean, you know, you, you can't give all this advice out and still run a practice. Practice, you still need you know those big customers to come back to you. I mean that's still a gamble. You're an investment you're making, right? Yeah. Look, I mean for for, for us, I mean there, there 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 there's a lot of different types of value here. I mean we're 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 making wonderful relationships with early stage companies. We're making wonderful relationships with with some fantastic people in government. We're making fantastic relationships with with VCs and and private equity firms that are interested in what's going on here. We're making fantastic relationships with with uh, with, with with corporates, including a lot of our corporate clients who are really interested in what's what what's going on here i mean sure I, you know if, if the next facebook we ended up working with that's fantastic but it's a lot more than that i mean there, there's a lot of different ways for us to interact with a lot of the, the, the different members of of the community and 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 to us you know that is overall valuable i mean do do do, do we think that you know it's just going to sort of fizzle out? No. If that if that 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 if that does happen, you know we're still making again a, a lot of wonderful r- relationships with a lot of you know very w- wonderful people and wonderful companies, which we expect to uh, to last. You're, you were voted one of the top ten connectors by Tech City News. Uh, one of the other ones was Bryce Keene, I think, who was on one of our first guests uh, on London Real and then helped start Silicon Real. What makes a good connector? Um, how do you do it in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a very self-promoting way? Selflessness. Um, that uh, it really is that. Yeah. It? No. It really. It's. It's. I'd. I'd. I'd like. To, I'd like to think that how. You know, I and we can be helpful here is, is to think about, okay, when you come in and talk to us, let's say you want to go to the U.S. You know, one of our. You know, my first thought is, okay. Who can we put you in touch with, right, to, to the benefit of both of you? And, and frankly, like, that's, that's how Silicon Valley became si- si- Silicon Valley. And you know, when I got here, I said, you know what? I want us to create a Silicon Valley-style legal practice here, here, here in London. And what I mean by a Silicon Valley-style legal practice is that, you know, yeah, you know, we, 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 we practice law, absolutely. But it's also being a helpful member of the community, helping to put people in, in touch, you know, to make connections that wouldn't otherwise happen, and taking sort of a a rising tide lifts all boats approach, right? right. So, so to us, you know, if we're able to, to put a startup here, you know, in touch with a corporate that we know in New York who said, you know, I'd really be interested in meeting a company that has this type of technology or who's solving this, this type of problem, even if we're not involved, let's say, in any eventual tra- transaction that, that comes out of it, like, we've helped out a large corporate, which we want to do. We've helped out an emerging company, which we want to do. And we've helped out the community, right? But it, it's, it's not, exp- it's, it's selflessness in that don't don't go into it expecting that something is immediately going to come back to you right, right. it's about giving back see, and being seen appropriately incredibly as as someone who is willing to support the community and we've seen that and we're very grateful for it come back to us in a lot of different ways yeah it's big it's almost a buddhist thing you have to go in you know with no uh, with have no you can't be invested in the consequences of whatever you do and you, and and the more that you are the more people feel it and the more you come off as an opportunist and the less you are you you really, you do connect and you enjoy this kind of, you know, Zen bliss of being in the flow and, you know, it does come back to you, but that's not why you're doing it, but yeah. it, it does, you know? No. And, and, and people, especially in, in tech are very, very good at identifying phonies. 
Yeah. Right. And, and if you're not truly invested in this, if you're just, um, if you're just sort of looking into a quick hit and, and say, hey, look cool, say, Hey, I'm working in tech, yeah. right. For, you know, for, for, for some reason, like pe- people are, are, are going to see that. Like, I, I, I gotta tell you, like it, it's, it's, a, it's a tough story to sort of rock up in London and say, Hey, I'm an American lawyer. I'm here to help the, the, the tech community as, 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 uh, somebody who's now a very good friend said to me in early 2012, when I first got here, where he, he told me later, he said, when I, Dan, when I first met you, he, I said to my friends, I said, this guy's lying or he's lying. and He doesn't realize that, 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 he, that he's lying. I mean, he, 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 he since came back to me. He says, I believe you. Right. Right. But, you know, I, that sort of skepticism is completely warranted and healthy that because because there, there, there are, you know, people and entities who are just looking to get in, get out and um, as, as in any industry. Right? Yeah. And especially now with the headlines. Do they call them a carpet bagger? Is that what they call them in America? <laughs> it's a carpet bagger, That's the yes. term they used to use in the South. I think when yeah. people were coming down trying to exploit certain things. But, yeah, they will smell it a mile away in tech. Um, I'm sure I got some of that reaction when we started off on our show and people were like, OK, why are you here? And then what you just do what you do and you put in the time and the genuine efforts every day. And after a while, then you're part of the community. Yeah. I'm sure that's what you feel as well. So. Yeah. No, I mean, it, 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 it's all about just giving back, giving back. And it's having faith that that'll be rewarded eventually. It's a faith based uh, legal practice. Yeah. It is. Oh, gosh, that's crazy. <laughs> and, if, and if you want to think about your own self right now, are you a good connector? The answer is probably not. And so you should really think about I think there's even good drills. You should be connecting people every day from your network and and just do it and think about how it'll help both people. And if you, I know someone that does one a day, I'm sure you do 10 a day and just, you know, you'll turn into that connector and it's amazing the great things that will happen when you just start connecting people. And I know some selfless connectors from, uh, from London real and even Silicon real. And, you know, they have, they have, you know, huge credits built up and I'm always thinking of them for some reason, you know, when it, when something's going to happen because they're just selflessly connecting. And the funny thing is in London, uh, and Ivan Mazur brought this up, which is what he's been, he's, uh, runs Ometria. He's been our guest, a, a fascinating, really like him a lot. He said, Brian, if you, if you look at like the property industry, people are doing the intros. Okay. I get the finder's fee. And it's like a sharp contrast to tech where tech is like, you guys would love to meet, go meet coffee, see you later. And then in these old school industries, it's like, okay, we'll talk about the percentages later. And so, uh, yeah, yeah, that doesn't play in tech. So, uh, yeah, there you go. Um, good connecting advice. Let me ask a couple questions with you. I always ask our guests here. Um, if you could uh, make a phone call to the 20-year-old Daniel Glazer, I guess he was up in Dartmouth maybe doing some partying. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Uh, and giving him a little bit of advice, what, what would you tell that young man? Uh, I, I, well, if it was today, I would tell him to start a company. <laughs> okay, all right, all right, all right. Um, you know, I like a startup. Uh, yeah, okay. I mean, look, th- th- this is an amazing time uh, the, the, these days to, to, to start a company. I mean, the, the barriers to entry are low, right? The, there, there's, uh, it, it's just in sort of an acceptable model now to, to, to start a company. I mean, just sort of culturally and socially in a way that it wasn't maybe a, a generation ago. Um, you know, and I think that things have changed, right? Since since the the oh eight oh nine Great Re- Recession, as it were. I mean, people don't go to you know grads at a at a university don't go to you know companies and stay for thirty five years and get their gold watch and retire for the most part right, anymore. Right. I mean, it, 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 it's, it's much more about trying to carve out your own career path. And, and I think that that's really exciting. I mean, that, that, and I think that you're, why you're, you're going to see the, the, the pace of change in tech and other interest in, in other industries, um, speed up more and more because it is now acceptable to come out of university, you know, as a, as a top, as a top student and say, you know what, I'm going to go build my own business. I can tell you that when I graduated, you know, now I'm aging myself, right. But graduated in, in the mid nineties, that wasn't you know, an option. Yeah. I was not an option. Right. Now, you know, the, the, the it, you're, you're, you're seen as a, you know, sort of a shining example of what, of what's great about being young. Um, so actually, if I could go back to you know mid mid nineties, uh, you know Dan, Dan, Dan Glazer, I, I would have said uh, you know think think about you know how how you can you know create 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 something and whether whether that's you know in the context of you know doing something interesting within within a larger company right or or starting it out on on your own you know think about what you can 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 contribute that might be new and different um because i think i think that 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 that's where the economy is going is it what can you bring to the table that um sort of moves the needle and changes things in a real way yeah that's one of the things that tech brings us is i think it makes everyone think more entrepreneurial even if you're working in pfizer you have to be thinking okay well what 
value am I going to bring to the table next year? What do I need to start? What do I need to, so it makes you do that. It also brings customer service way up through the roof. My, my guys at Virgin media are extra nice to me now that there's all this competition. And so like the tech sector brings a lot of things up just cause I think it's fast. It's entrepreneurial. It promotes great ideas and it, it, it makes everyone kind of get better in that way. Right? And the, 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 the best companies, the best corporates are finding ways to, 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 to bring that approach to bring that sort of ethos, right? right? With, within the, the, the corporate structure, right? Some by accelerators. So I take it back. <laughs> so yeah, no, no, there's a lot of value there and, it, and it's not just the acceleration. It's the ideas. It's what they can learn. It's, it's a lot of things there. Second question, best advice you've ever received business or personal. Don't jump off the bridge at Dartmouth. <laughs> That's <a question. laughs> um, but, uh, don't be afraid to fail. Okay. Yep. Don't, 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 don't be afraid to fail. Have, 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 have confidence in yourself and don't necessarily think that because, um, uh, nobody has done what you're doing doesn't necessarily uh, mean that it's not worth, 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 worth doing. Does this describe your mission coming to London two, three years ago? It, 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 it might. <laughs> okay. It might. Right. I mean, I, I think that there, there, there's certainly an, an entrepreneurial a, a aspect of it. And I can certainly tell you that. Uh, you know, t telling people three, three years ago, especially in, in, in the States, right. That, uh, you know, I had this, this real, this real excitement about, about what was growing in London and this, this, this real vision of how we could, you know, be on the ground in London and on the ground in the States by helping to build a bridge, right. Be, be, between the UK and the U S sounds a little bit audacious. Yeah. Um, and to the U S they say, well, why are you going to bother in, in, in tech, right? O overseas. Right? You, you, you've, you've got everything you need right, right here. But, but that's, what's so exciting about it, right? Is, is because is, it is new, right? And there is something to be created and you, and you can, you, you, you have the opportunity to, yes, there might, there might be failures along the way, but your opportunity to really shape, shape something and create a legacy, frankly. Right. You know, you mentioned audacious. I mean, uh, I'm guessing that an old school law firm suffers from innovators dilemma just as much as anyone else. I mean, that's a big move for you guys, for you to convince someone to make that investment and do that. Right. Well, I, I, the, the firm has been very, very, very visionary. Um, and, 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 and I, and I think it's a great credit to them, um, that we, 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 we've created the, the, this practice, which, which is, you know, very different than what, than what, you know, most sort of traditional wall street law, law, law firms would, would, would have. And that is sort of, you know, what, what we've done is, is, is create a, a, you know, kind of classic Silicon Valley style, you know, U S focused legal practice, you know, within a, a great, you know, global, um, wall street law, law firm. And they, you know, they are both co 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 coexisting. Um, and it's, you know, and hopefully that's to the, the, the benefit of both our, our large, you know, corporate, uh, the large corporates that we work with, who then we're able to speak credibly about what's going on at the early stage. And then also hopefully it's, it's helping the early stage companies that we're able to tell them, you know, very le legitimately what they need to think about when working with, you know, with, with lar larger companies. I mean, right. to, to give you an idea of, of, of the range that we're working in. It was in 2013. Um, we, we represented Virgin Media in the in the acquisition by Liberty Global, uh, and then later that that year we we advised the Virgin Media Pioneers Incubator uh, and the companies uh, in the incubator on their trade mission to New York. Right, and being able to do that to work on both ends of the scale there and be able to do that credibly and legitimately, I, I hope is able to bring value to both sides. Definitely. Last part of that question to the 20 year old listening to us, um, that wants to, you know, get into tech. I know that this is not the best frame to come in, but you know, here's us and says, okay, I'm going to do what Dan just told himself to do. I want to do a startup. What do you tell them? What's the advice you give them? Um, plan. Right. Don't don't just jump in. All right. It, 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 it's worth having a good plan, doing doing your research, doing your homework. This is a man who works with incubators and accelerators. Yes. So, it, you know what you're talking about. Right. right. Okay. I, do, 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 do your homework. Right. And and, uh, you know, plan and speak to people who, who, who you who you trust and take take as much advice as you can. Right. And then process it. Right. No one person is going to know everything ab about about everything. But the more they, that you speak to different people who have been there before. Right. The more nuggets of, of good advice that you're going to be. And then it's your role to synthesize all that. Make it all part of your, your business plan, all part of your, your, your approach. You know, be, be you know, plan, be prepared and then and, you know, and then and then launch. I don't mean be be overly you know, overcautious. But what I mean is 
be is to is take a thoughtful, considered approach to launching your, your business. I mean, if you're thinking, if you're you know at, at the beginning of university now, and you're thinking that you want to launch, at, you know, when you leave university, well, spend you know a lot of time during university doing as much research as you can on whatever it is that that, that, that you want to do. If you want to go into you know B two C fintech, well, then you want to take all your time in uni and talk to everybody that you can, do as much research as you, you can to make yourself the best B two C fintech business plan. That you, that you that you can, right. and then and then just just recognize that you're gonna have to pivot anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's good advice. And then once you've done all that research, then choose an idea and then just go do it. And then you're gonna have to stick to your guns for a little while because even Y Combinator said that they thought that Airbnb was the stupidest idea <laughs> they had ever heard. People are gonna sleep on your sofa. And uh, yeah, Google was the ninth search engine created, et cetera, et cetera. So um, that's fantastic advice, Daniel. Uh, I know you've got an article coming out soon in a major publication that's gonna be talking a little bit about this. Um, how do people follow you? Get in touch with you if they want to go to the U.S. Yeah, what's the best way? Yeah, so um, you know, Fried Free Frank is right on Old Street round, round, Roundabout, right you know, down we, the way from we me. are. We we are on the, we are in the, in the Inmarsat building. You know, there's that right. picture that, that seems to always be in the newspaper about the the aerial view of the roundabout. I think someone scaled on the outside of our window and took that shot. Um, yeah, so that is that is yeah. yeah I mean, building. we're we're right on the roundabout. Um, you know, we're on the web at tech.friedfrank.com, and uh, I'm on Twitter at, at IP Transactions. Right. I like how you guys you guys have your own tech Twitter account. That's nice. That just shows what you're doing over here, right? At, at Freed Frank Tech. Yeah. At Freed Frank Tech. Awesome. Uh, Daniel, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, you've got articles coming out, and uh, you've got some... I love your Coming to America kind of uh, white paper or whatever it is that you wrote. Um, I, I, I like... Uh, it just makes me laugh because it's, it's really well said, and then also it's a great movie. It is a great movie. Too, so there you go. Um, if you're listening to us on iTunes, you can see two Americans uh, in, in full live color on our YouTube channel. Uh, thanks so much for being here. Uh, we always say, you know, it's about the people in this community. I mean, you're living proof of that. You came over here three years ago and you have invested in here. You're now one of the connectors and uh, it's such a crucial role. And I agree, this is something that only happens in a generation. And so uh, sometimes it's actually not hard to forget about that in tech here because there's always so many cool ideas and stuff. And, and yes, we are the stepchild a little bit to the Valley. And yes, we are always talking about the Valley, but that's okay because we're having our own successes and I think it's going to make us pivot as a city and us get better. And you know, this, this news today is, uh, it's just great because like you said size of the investment who's involved where we're going it pretty much cements us as the leader in fintech hard to argue now and uh there's so many other companies too that i've had on this show whether it's uh, a nutmeg or a do dill or these companies that are just i mean talk about fantastic ideas that are happening here in the uk that at some point will be scaled around the world don't get me started so there you go daniel thanks so much for being here uh and uh, i wish you all the best thanks a lot thanks for having me okay take care This week on Silicon Reel, we have Philippe Boteri from venture capital firm Excel Partners with $10 billion under management. We're trying to build very big businesses and we want to back the founders who have the ambition. I'm speaking probably to two, 300 companies every year. I back the founders because I trust uh, their decision. I have a lot of respect for every entrepreneur. They are the guys who are ready to risk everything. We probably invest in only one company out of a hundred. Being a venture capitalist is all about prioritization. Don't listen to people who are saying it's not possible. Silicon Real presents Philippe Boteri, Excel Partners. Follow your passion. 